right, you guys. Hey, it's Palm Sunday today. Do you know that? And Palm Sunday is, you know, kind of special, right? Because next Sunday is Easter and we're coming into Holy Week. And uh, I've just been struck afresh by Jesus and his whole movement that he started. And I want to read Luke's version of it. You know, Luke, um, in Luke's gospel, Jesus, he's coming from Jericho and uh, up, up the mountain to into Jerusalem. And on his way, he stops for a blind man, okay, Bartimaeus. And then he stops for a tax collector who is the rich, you know, sort of guy who's rolling in the dough from doing his illegal activities, right? And so Jesus stops for those two. And that's what he was like. And he came into Jerusalem with this, with this crowd of, and it says a crowd of disciples. They weren't just called a crowd. And I love that because it's not just the 12 disciples. It was, it was like a crowd of disciples. And so check this out. Luke 19, verse 28. And he, um, he said these things. After having said some of the things that he said before, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethphage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt tied, a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away um, went away and found it just as he told them. And they were untying the colt. Its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Okay, and that was enough, right? So that's kind of a weird thing. And I was just kind of reflecting on that. I was thinking, you know, here's Jesus, who's like the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And the people in Jerusalem didn't even send a delegation to kind of meet him. Like with, you know, with a fancy sort of like mighty white horse or something. And a chariot or something. I mean, Jesus is just coming in after having been out there with the lepers and the, you know, the tax collectors and the blind, and he's coming into town. And it's like, he's the guy that's got to figure out his own transportation in, right? And, um, and what does he choose? A little cult, like the humblest possible thing. It would be like, uh, I was asking Julio and um, Cindy, like, what would be the equivalent of like the humblest car that you could possibly drive into, into a, if you're coming into a town? And, and this guy said a Volkswagen bug. Okay. So imagine going up, imagine if it's Jesus and he says, Hey, uh, Jason, you know, go into the Volkswagen dealership there and just one of those cars that's on the lot, just drive it over to me. And uh, we'll meet up in the, you know, in the outlet mall before we come into Burlington. And if anyone gives you any crap about it, just tell them that the Lord has need of it. And so Jason goes and he grabs, get, gets in the car and the keys in it. And it's never been ridden by anybody. And he drives it over and the car dealership says, hey, wh what are you doing taking our car? Says, the Lord has need of it. <laughs> I wonder how that would go. <laughs> uh, but, but it's interesting how Jesus is, he comes in such a humble way, right? And yet he comes in kind of a gangst, kind of an outlaw way. Yeah. I mean, stealing a car, stealing a car to come into town. I mean, he didn't steal it, he, but he did. He took it and, they, and then he gave his explanation and they said, okay, they were cool with it. 
And I love that about Jesus. And, and so then um, look what happens as they were, let's see. So they brought it to Jesus and then they threw their coats on the colt and they put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, which is the very place that he, uh, where he was, you know, he was arrested on the Mount of Olives, right? So this is, this is right before the moment when, you know, the week after that, he was arrested and crucified, right? So this time he's going down um, into the city. Um, the whole crowd of disciples, he had a whole crowd of disciples who were with him, began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they'd seen. I just love that. So they're praising God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they'd seen. That's what they were excited about. It's like, wow, Jesus, we were just with you. We just saw you just deal, help that blind man that no one even cared about. We saw you stop and you saw that Zacchaeus up in the tree and you said, Zacchaeus, come on down here. I'm going to eat at your house. You know, I'm not too good for you and you're not too evil for me. I, you're my, I love you. Come on, let's go. Let's go to your house and have, have a meal. And then before that, all these other things that Jesus was doing. And so he had this crowd of people that were just like, oh, man, Jesus, he helped me get a job, you know, where I could just tell him exactly how much I wanted to get paid and how many hours I wanted to pay work. And when I wanted my days off, you know, he got me this house um, that's just, you know, perfect, even though there's no crushed gravel, you know, to keep the mud from tracking into my place right yeah you know he got me this you know whatever like all the people um were coming in with their stories right and i just got thinking about us and like would we be like that crowd of disciples that would be joyfully remembering all the miracles that you know and i, I was just thinking about uh, robin and how she's a walking miracle mm -hmm. you know i mean here you are leading prayers and uh you've been through so much you know, I think of Lorinda, who's a walking miracle. And I think of Chucky, who's the walking miracle. I mean, every one of us are walking miracles. And when someone like Robin prays, when she leads prayers, those prayers are heard. Because you can see she's standing and she's clean and sober and she's a strong woman of God. And that took prayer. And God, God hears your prayers, right? So uh, Julio, Julio's a guy, his mom prayed for him forever. I prayed for him forever. He prayed, he cried out, God rescued him. Like, we're a group of disciples, and are we are we like, you know, like I mean, right now we can join in in this crowd of people that it's a humble crowd though, with Jesus on his Volkswagen, in his Volkswagen or whatever, right? <laughs> and uh, and you know that uh, look what they're saying. It says they're shouting, "Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord." Okay, they're shouting that, "Blessed is the King." So they're going into Jerusalem, this little ragtag group of disciples. It says it's a crowd, but they're like going, this is the king. Okay, and, and Jerusalem obviously didn't know it. All the highfalutin people that, you know, the, the politicians, you know, the kings of the land, you know, Pilate and all those people that were just the thought they were so high and mighty, you know, um, who had, who commanded all the respect, who had all the bodyguards, all of them. They were clueless, okay? But the disciples of Jesus, they were like full of joy for all the stuff they'd witnessed. And then they were shouting, it says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And um, 
anyway, and I got thinking about just about how that takes a lot of faith in a way, doesn't it? To say that Jesus is the king, like he's higher than Elon Musk or Biden or Obama or Trump or Putin or any of these, you know, so-called powerful people who the world sees as so powerful, but, but really when they die, they're not going to, they're going to just be put in some cemetery or, you know, and they're, they're all their money's going to go to their kids or we're all going to fight over it probably. And, and what's the point? Oh, wow. You have a lot of money. Big deal. Okay. Big <laughs> deal. So what for all your stupid money? What's your money going to get you? You know, and we all need a little bit of it, right? Maybe a little bit more than what we have. But like, here's Jesus who's conquered. He's about ready to come in there and actually be strung up. And, uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to get arrested and, um, and he's going to get, um, people are going to spit in his face and, and they're going to blindfold him and say, oh, prophesy, who is it that just slapped you? And they're going to make him look like he's pretty weak. And, um, and he's not going to defend himself, right? He's going to let them just kill him. And he's going to, he's, they're going to put him between two thieves. They're going to string him up between two thieves and he is going to be fine with that. But uh, the third day, he's going to rise from the dead, and no one's ever done that. And he's, he's the one who defeats death, okay? And death is our ultimate enemy. It's the thing that's killed, um, you know, um, a lot of our dear friends. Isaiah, you know, um, so many of the people that we know who lost their lives to overdose deaths, their only hope is Jesus. Okay, because he's the only one that raises the dead. We're our only hope. My only hope is Jesus. Um, he's the only one who can save us from death, right? Can resurrect my mom, who died almost a year ago, um, the 12th of April. And, um, you know, who's, who's going to raise up, you know, all of our loved ones and all the beloved ones that have died really too early at, at too young of an age, people that we all know, right? So, like, He's the one that these guys get it. The disciples, they get that, that Jesus is above all those powers, that he's the king. Do we get that? Do we get that really loud and clear? Do we act like he is the king of kings and he's the top dog? He's the highest power. We need to act that way and, and, and live that way. And it feels ridiculous when we do it in the face of, of all the powerful powers that are out there that that look so much more powerful than Jesus, right? Uh, and, you know, it's crazy because right after this, some of the Pharisees in the crowd, they said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know, what, what are you doing, Jesus? Like, they're calling you king um, who comes in the name of the Lord. Like, whoa, that is way over the top. You know, tell them to shut up. That's like blasphemy, Jesus. And uh, so they're like dissing him to the max. Like, he is the king. And they're actually naming him for who he actually is. And, um, and so Jesus answers, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus didn't have a false humility. He knew who he was. And he knew that he was God come in the flesh. And he was humble enough to come in on a Volkswagen or on a, you know, a donkey that had never been ridden before. Like, you know, with just a little crowd of just humble people who were the disciples. Whereas all the powerful ones, they're just sitting there judging and bickering and criticizing him or, or just, you know, whatever they were doing, not even knowing he was around. Um, you know, later we see in chapter 23, he's brought before Pilate 
and they began to accuse him, like that's when he's arrested, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. See, they saw him as a, out, you know, kind of a gang, you know, like a, a bad guy, right? And, uh, and he himself, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. That's how they accuse him, right? And um, so Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered them and said, it is as you say. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. In other words, like, yeah, he's, he's, got, he's psychotic. And I'm not worried about him. He seems pretty harmless to me, right? He doesn't, Pilate doesn't say, oh, you're, you are king of the Jews. Okay, well, wow, I, I better just realize that I'm under you and uh, you're above me. And so what do you want, Jesus? You tell me, you, you're the shot caller. You tell me what I need to do and how I need to change you know, Israel, okay? But he doesn't, he just ignores him because he's under arrest. And he just like, he just, I think he just thinks, wow, this guy's got mental health issues, right? And then he says, uh, but they kept insisting saying, he stirs up the people teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. And when Pilate heard it, asked whether the man was a Galilean, and then they learned he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction. He's like, no, he's in Whatcom County. He's from Whatcom County. Oh, well, send him up to Whatcom County Superior Court. You know, just get him up to Whatcom County Superior Court. That's, that's how they treated Jesus. Yeah. Like he was nothing but just a low-level criminal who was just a troublemaker who just needed to be put away in some kind of facility, right? Yeah. And who was harmless. Okay, well, that is, that, that, that's how Jesus was viewed. And he was strung up as just a criminal, a nobody, okay? And we're the disciples of Jesus who know he's not a nobody, okay? But we can sometimes be, feel like we're nobodies too. Mm -hmm. And that can feel pretty weak, can't it, right? It can feel pretty weak to feel like we're just, we're just kind of these lame followers of a loser who got executed and our life's not changing fast enough and our prayers aren't being answered fast enough. And in this world, you know, we need to remember. Um, we need to remember the truth about who Jesus is and, and that he is the savior of the world. And we need to build each other up because we, things haven't changed a whole lot since, the, since this time. People are still going to look at you and go, what? You, Jesus? You follow Jesus? Like, what? You know, well, who's, what's, what's he done? I mean, I mean, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, you know, uh, Hare Krishna. I mean, whatever, you know, meth, you know, it's all good. Right. It's like people don't take, take, take the gospel seriously. The simple gospel. Right. But the simple gospel has the power to save. And, and we benefited from it. We ourselves. Right. So check out Jesus when he comes into Jerusalem. And when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known in that day, this day, even you, things which make for peace. Okay, if you'd known, you know, like, like we can weep over this city of, uh, of this valley, Skagit Valley and over Burlington. We can think of all the people we know who are just going about the normal life, hurting themselves, destroying themselves, right? Or just, just following the path of just the, the least, the path of least resistance that, that they've been on, right? That a lot of us have been on. And, and it's sad. It's sad that people don't see that the, Jesus is the king and he's the savior and he can save you and me and he can, he has miracles for us that are, that he wants us to trust. Jesus goes on for the days 
will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. You guys think you're so tough and so powerful and so great. Jerusalem, oh my goodness, the holy city. Well, you guys, hey, you're nothing, okay? And you're coming down and, and Jesus isn't happy about that. He's weeping about it, he's crying because he doesn't want that. He wants people um, to kind of turn and believe the, the simple gospel. And uh, they'll level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. So that's what I want us to think about is what is the time of our visitation? You know, right, right now is the time of our visitation. And, and do we not recognize it? You know, Jesus wants us to recognize the time of our visitation. And it, sometimes it just doesn't seem very apparent. doesn't seem very obvious, you know, like, Jesus, where are you? Are you answering my prayers? You know, like I woke up at four in the morning, tossing and turning with those kind of prayers in my heart. You know, where are you? I need to see you move in, in my family more. I need to see you move in Tianueva more. I need to see you move in the world more, you know, like, what are you saying to me? I'm listening, but I'm not hearing Jesus, you know. Um, we struggle sometimes to find our way, you know. And I want to read one more reading from today's uh, list of readings. We go by a list, a biblical list, that is actually being read all over the world on this Sunday. This, these same scriptures. And check out Isaiah 50, 4 through, um, especially beginning in verse 4. This is about the servant of the Lord, and this is about disciples like you and me, okay? The Lord God has given me the tongue of a disciple, the tongue of a taught one, literally. Um, and the, God's given me a tongue of, of a pupil or student that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word, okay? Do you know any weary ones? Maybe you're a weary one, right? So, so the tongue of a disciple allows us to be able to, to build up and support people that are weary, that are tired, that are, that are, that are discouraged, that are struggling, right? Um, he wakens me morning by morning. That's what happened to me. I got woken up at 4 a.m., okay? Um, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear. One thing to pay attention to, when you get woken up, listen for the second awakening. If there's two awakenings, he awakens me morning by morning, every morning. He awakens my ear. Okay, so it's like, okay, I'm awake now, God. Now what? Do you want to tell me something? I'm here. You woke me up. Now talk to me. Okay, he awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. So, you know, I just want to encourage us to step into this, um, to not miss the time of our visitation, right? To listen like a disciple, like right now. You know, uh, every day, you know, when, when, when we get, when the attention, God gets our attention, lean in and say, okay, you got my attention. Like, I want to listen like a disciple. I want to uh, give me a word for the weary. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not disobedient. I did, did not turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. So it's like the way of Jesus might lead to us getting, you know, dissed, disrespected, not paid attention to. 
okay, we know that already from Jesus, our Savior, that that's what happened to him. So don't take apparent failure as a sign that that the gospel's lame. Okay, the weakness, it's the weakness of God that the power of God comes through the, the, the narrow path of the weak way of the, of the group of disciples that come with Jesus on his Volkswagen or on his donkey, you know, coming into town as the king. But they're shouting, you know, um, Hosanna in the highest. So let's keep our focus on, on just remembering the humble and powerful um, victory of God and Jesus this week. Let's pray. So God, I pray that you'd help us just to remember um, who you are. You know, you came for the lowly, you came for the hurting, you came for the sick, you came to heal people with hep C and with chronic, uh, you know, issues of whatever it might be. Uh, all of the diseases and sicknesses and addictions and afflictions that we face, depression and bipolar and so many things. Thank you, Jesus, that you came in humility but your word is power and brings about miracles. Thank you. We just pray that we would shout, um, shout it out that you are the king and that you're the highest power. Pray in your name. Amen.